You are listening to Get Real Podcast. Oftentimes, Dan, <laughs> you are a very positive influence on me. <laughs> I wonder where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> oh. it, to let him in on it, I forgot to press a button. So we did what? 10 minutes? 10 of, minutes. It was a yeah. good show. I'm oh, like, wow, oh, this yeah. is really good. 10 minutes and 30 yeah. seconds. Yeah. Okay. So, Glenn, I'm a good influence on you. I feel so good. <laughs> yes. I just wanted to boost your self esteem today. Yeah, I need it. You know, <laughs> I've never done that before. I used to be the king of that. Remember, yeah, I thought I lost an interview fingers. of that? Yeah. <laughs> so, tell me how good I am. I like that. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tickle your itching ears <laughs> okay. here a little bit. The Audible subscription that you tied me into. I'm an addict. I have become an addict now. That's what I listen to on the way home from work. There's a book on there that I've been listening to, and I've referred to it before in past podcasts. It's called Church History in Plain Language, and it's by Bruce Shelley. And really, everybody that is a believer needs to read or listen to that book. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. It puts into perspective everything today. It really kind of serves as a backdrop for everything that's going on today so you get a perspective of it and it shows you how a lot of what we perceive as being christianity really isn't and what really the rudiments of the faith are when you take a listen to it but there was one afternoon i was driving home from work and i was like half awake because it was like on those 12 hour days and they were talking about the french philosopher and mathematician blaise pascal very influential in the christian faith and for those of you who don't know Blaise Pascal, you probably experienced him in eighth grade math because he was the one who developed the theory of probabilities. I remember the torture of that in eighth grade of doing probabilities. He was the first to invent a counting machine, which eventually became a calculator. Very smart individual. He also worked with barometric pressure. He kind of went a little bit further than Torricelli with the barometer. I mean, this guy was a genius, mm. a child prodigy. One of his theories that he came up with, he was really into geometry, was the theory of the mystical hexagon. Now, that sounds like something out of witchcraft, but it's not. It's really has to do with geometric planes. But in his pursuit for truth in the universe and his study of math, he met Jesus and was converted. A true conversion experience. Sounds like a logical progression, you know. It does. If you deep dive into math... You're going to find God. You're going to find Jesus. Probably would have liked metal. He probably would have. As a matter of fact, I think he's inspired some metal. So let's talk about that. And that's what caught nice my ear. Segue, Here bro. we go. Here we go. Oh, that was smooth, Dan. Thank that was you for totally smooth. Thank you for that was like T-ball for me. Playing T-ball. You mm -hmm. put, put it right there on the little post and I hit it off. So, they were reading one of Blaise Pascal's quotes and this is the quote that they read. What a chimera then is man, how strange and monstrous, a chaos, a contradiction, a prodigy, judge of all things, yet a weak earthworm, depository of truth, yet a cesspool of uncertainty. Hey, Dan, you're a cesspool of uncertainty. I've got to bring you down a few notches now that I pumped you at the beginning here. He's got a cesspool of uncertainty and error, the glory and the offscouring of the universe. That sounds like a metal song. Yeah, there's a lot there. Joey, we still have yeah. you on the line. Joey from the symphonic Hi, metal band Amorous. Good to have you back on with us. Hi. Uh, does that sound like the lyrics from a song that you might know and appreciate? 
Well, let me think here. Uh, <laughs> I've heard this. I'm having like deja oh, vu. I guess. Uh, or in the scum by Delane. Yes. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. And you win the Delane. Uh, well, I don't have anything in the prize closet today. So. Wait a minute. Before we get into that, Glenn, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned that you were driving home half awake while you were listening to the segment about the Blaze Pascal. Yes. Shouldn't you be pulling off to the side to take a little rest? Isn't that <laughs> you know, I don't. I, I'm I'm concerned that my twin may end up in a car accident. <laughs> I probably should, but I wanted to get home. But fortunately, okay. fortunately, the segment on Blaze Pascal woke me up. It was kind of uh, like Mac when I say Scooby Snack to him downstairs. Yeah. He's like, huh? you know. <laughs> I heard these words. I was like, wait a minute. Those are the lyrics from the Glory and the Scum. So I went and I took a look, and here's what Charlotte wrote in The Glory and the Scum, and I'm just gonna read this. We all live in an unforgiving, precarious ways. If it bleeds, it leads, is all we seem to hear today. Thorns remain while flowers fade. Well, we know why that is, because of the fall and the curse of man. Monster, and a chimera is a a monster, like what Blaise Pascal was referring to. It's a fire-breathing female monster with a lion's head, goat's body, and, and a serpent's tail. Such a noble novelty monster such a proper prodigy monster it is all enrolled in you and me either wasteland or wonderland look at what we've done take a step back shake your head at what we've become we're the glory and the scum we are the the glory and the offscouring of the universe monster Sewer of uncertainty. That's almost exactly what Blaise Pascal wrote, cesspool of uncertainty. Offscouring is scum. It's scum. The leftovers. It's the leftovers. Monster creator of entropy. So here's Charlotte in the band Delane, symphonic metal. That's what we've been talking about, how God uses symphonic metal to speak to people. And when I listen to Delane's Glory and the Scum, it reminds me of the fact that we needed to be saved because we are the offscouring of the universe. We are depraved. We do things that we don't want to do. We lie, we cheat, we steal, we do all these things that are totally against God's nature, totally against humanity when you think about it. But when we do all these things, we also create things. We think, we engage in philosophy, this whole world around us, the building of great skyscrapers are things that we've done. So you've got this duality going on out of this depravity and it really causes a uh, a, a contradiction and it's very, very puzzling if you think yeah. about it. That, that seems beyond coincidence. That is very similar. It, it it seems influential. Like there was, a, well, I do know that Pascal was celebrated within, obviously within Christendom, but he was also appreciated by the esoteric crowd, by the the kind of exactly, the, exactly. So there may have been that's where it gets kind of blended. Some of the occultic stuff that was all surrounding that may have, but it's over. okay that it's blended because that's logos, yeah, right there. Yeah, it just really drives home the point that wait a minute, we are. And you and I were talking because the major thing after I read a book, Joey, about some creepy occultic esoteric. I don't know know if I even recommend that, but 
I did read this book because it was interesting. And the one thing that I surmised after reading it was that the major error to all of that belief set is they completely deny the obvious depravity of man. And it becomes all about energies and forces and becomes really fanciful. And and the whole point of what he's saying that you're the judge of all, but you're an earthworm. So we have this leftover divinity and enough God similitude, right, to be able to be really a horrible, judgmental, <laughs> wicked sinner. You yeah. know what I'm saying? We have enough of that divinity left over as far as being like that, that we can see and understand. But it's murky enough so that we're one-sided to, I'm going to condemn you for lying to yeah. me. But I, my lies are okay. Yeah. Because I'm an earthworm. Oh, because I'm an earthworm. Yeah. And one yeah. one point that I do want to drive home is, we've talked about this on this podcast before, is you take a look at the Magi. They were into occultic things. Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism. And in that, there was truth and logos in there that led them to Christ. So I don't get freaked out by witches. I don't. I used to. I, I don't anymore. I don't get freaked out by the occult because guess what? All that occult power is God's power on loan anyway. You read Spurgeon, and he'll say that very specifically. All those powers of the principalities and powers that are the evil ones, well, that's, God gave them that power on loan, basically, and it's for his glory. All of it's for his glory. And even though we don't understand it. And that song, The Glory and the Scum, came from the Delane album Moonbathers, which is really an uh, entire album. And I appreciated it because it was about death. And having been a brain tumor survivor, looking at death square in the face and having to deal with it, there are some songs on there that really just resound in me. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to die tonight, but angels, they will, they will come for me. And Delane just came out with a new album, and here we go, where we may have some occultic influence, but there is so much truth there. The name of the album is Apocalypse and Chill. Joey, you've had the opportunity to take a listen to this album. What are your thoughts just musically on this album that they've put out? I really love it, and I've been I've been having it on uh, like regular rotation for the for the past several weeks, probably a month now. I look at it as some of their best stuff yet. The music uh, composition is more mature. Not that the earlier stuff was as mature, but this one seems like it has more to it. The ups and downs are more dramatic. There's more orchestration um, spacing. And there's more crunchiness. <laughs> <I know we're laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, I know we're talking about that, but uh, at, at, there's there's a few songs that that I just am really hooked on. I'm, I'm loving the the down tuned guitars and some of the uh, some of the sounds that are coming out of that. What's your favorite song so far on that album? Uh, probably Masters of Destiny first. Ghost House Heart is up there. Let's Dance is probably my favorite. Oh, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes because that is a. Very interesting song. It's not what you think it is when you first listen to it. You hear the titles like Let's Stand. Oh, a party song. It's not a party song in the least bit. The word apocalypse that they use in this, and it's really kind of a strange juxtaposition, apocalypse and chill. Everybody thinks that apocalypse just means the end of the world. But really, the true meaning of that word is the grand revelation or the unveiling or unfolding of things previously not known. And when we refer to as the apocalypse as a believer, we're referring to the grand revelation of Christ. And here in this title, you have, hey, we're going to have this grand revelation or things are coming to an end. And wait a minute, everybody's just kind of chilling. And it's been really interesting. Joe, you and I, we've been reading some of the interviews that some of the magazines have done with Charlotte 
Uh, Metal Insider interview with her. She said about six, seven songs in, that's usually when they feel like there's enough flesh on the bone in terms of music and lyrics to discover whether or not there's some kind of theme. And they noticed that as they were writing in the process that a lot of these songs that were coming through them had a strong dystopian or apocalyptic theme. It's not like they set out to start out by doing that. And she said then in a Billboard interview that Apocalypse and Chill's title was inspired by the contrast between the album's love songs and those on the set that feel apocalyptic and dystopian. It's kind of a mirror to the world of these days. All the perfection on social media married with the world being on fire, says composer, lyricist, singer Charlotte Wessels. It's very much about the zeitgeist. You hear that very clearly in the songs that we've got all these problems in the world. The world's going to hell in a handbasket, but people are just kind of like, hey, I'm perfect. Look at me on social media, the superficiality of, of right. mankind. Uh, that's point. going on there. Yeah, it, it really is a good point. It's very socially minded. And that's one of the things that I really appreciate about Delane's music. One of the songs that I really like is Generation Me, where they just take a total wrecking ball to narcissism and the generation of, hey, I don't need anybody else. I'm sufficient by myself. One of the things that I've noticed in this album, though, Joey, is that there's an 80s vibe to it. And one of the things that they said about the style of music that they were going for was kind of nostalgic and they kind of go back to the Mm. 80s a little bit and that's something that i've been seeing and dan you've probably been seeing this in culture there's kind of this love affair now with the 80s again yeah dan you first why do you think i think it's generational i i I think things kind of cycle remember we were talking about the pendulum pendulum and and things just kind of happen and so people, at least musically, that's that's from a, a me cycle, I guess. And that's yeah. so, I don't know. Yeah. Because we got Wonder Woman 1984 coming out this summer. Okay. And then you've got the Stranger Things, which is all 1980s. Do you think, though, that maybe, and Joey, you can weigh in on this, that yeah. when you're taking a look at so much turmoil in the world, you, me, and Dan, we all grew up in the 80s, that maybe right. there's sometimes a longing and a yearning to go back to when we see that as more of a time of innocence, would you say, maybe? Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you on that. And I do I do see that 80s connection, as you say, with the synthesizer music. It, it seems like they are adding a lot uh, in there. And yeah, I mean, I, I can kind of compare what I hear and see today comparatively to the to 80s. It seems like the 80s was much more innocent, as you say. So that, that kind of makes sense. And do I feel the 80s vibe in there? You know, the synthesizer part, yeah. Yeah, they, um, they put but, that in there. But I, also, but I also do think that they, they're they very, very serious on this album as well. And they really have you know, some thoughts and some points that they, they're trying to get across and some some real-life issues that uh, needs to be discussed and talked about. Oh, this is not a child's play album. This is not, hey, I'm just going to pop it in and relax and listen to it. Right. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, the melodies and the hooks, they're all catching, and you can listen to the, the music without the lyrics, and it, it's perfectly awesome. But... One of the songs that you and I were taking a look at, Joey, was Ghost House Heart. first lyrics why do we fall like leaves to the ground obviously talking about death and i was was thinking about that a little bit because it's deeper than just oh why do we die you know we die like leaves we're human beings but our fate is the same we fall to the ground 
Leaves, all they do is photosynthesize. And I'm thankful that they do because if they didn't, we'd just die without oxygen. <laughs> you know, they have a purpose in life, but right. their purpose is not as vast as what our purpose is. And yet right. our end is the same. And when I hear that in that song, Ghost House Heart, it's just really like, okay, we're really contemplating why do not just we die, but why do we die like everything else when we're so different? When we were we were made in the image of God. The tree wasn't. Right. But her comparison sounds like it may be bending towards the nihilistic deduction of there's nothing, you know. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, exactly. And she pins these. She pins these, yeah. Okay. So she writes, yeah, she she's the one who writes the lyrics to these. Why do we fall like leaves to the ground? I know that before I've asked for more, but I've had all that I can take. I know that before I've asked for more, but you can't imagine the weight. So it sounds like there's a, a weight there, a heaviness. Really, when you inquire more into the truth and the mysteries of the universe, it becomes cumbersome. Mm. You know, truth, really for our listeners, if you just live in Romans chapter eight, all is good. But as you start diving deeper and deeper into the truth, it becomes more mysterious. Mm. Then she writes, Ghost House Heart, Home to a Million Memories. And this here... Joey, for me, is really kind of uh, oxymoron in a way. You know, it's an empty heart, but it's filled with a million memories. So it's not really empty. It's full. And when you take a look at memories, and I was thinking about that this week, that a lot of our memories are tied to emotions. And a lot of those emotions in dealing with this world that we have to wade ourselves through, they're not good memories. They're not good emotions. I mean, we live in the muck and the mire of it all. So there's a contradiction there. But then she sings, I live in the shadow of your love. Really, for all of us, before we come to Christ, that's what we do is we live in the shadow of God's love. No, oh, that's a great perspective of that. Yeah. That love, if you think about it, Dan, I, this is we've talked about the law a lot on, on this podcast. When you look at the Ten Commandments, a lot of people are like, oh, all of those stodgy laws. I can't do this. Oh, you're taking away my fun. But really, that law is God's love. It shows us, number one, how to love him, the first five commandments. And then the last ones, the last five, are how to love mankind. But... We know that just by following God's law, that's not what saves us, because if it was just God's law, Christ would not have needed to die on the cross. But those laws, if we do follow them to the best of our ability, we do know that they are going to prolong our life. For instance, thou shalt not commit adultery. Might not get shot. You're not going to get shot by your, by your wife, okay? That's, that's what's going to happen. Um, and then, you know, scripturally, it does say in Hebrews 10, 1, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices, which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Then she says, this is not the end. After she talks about living in the shadow of your love. Right. Well, that's very biblical. Most Biblical references go from the end to the beginning and not from the beginning to the end. Isaiah chapter 46 at verse 10 says, My purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. 
beginning from the end to the beginning and not the other way around. And then she writes, there's a million things to see, but it's not for you and me. Very sad song, wouldn't you say, Joey? Yeah, there is. And and if you can hear the, you know, sort of the notes of the chord, the progressions that they use, there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of sadness to it, a lot of a lot of minor notes, which I like. And, you know, and it, it kind of ties into the, the feeling of who we are as a person and and what we see in, in this world. But you, know, you mentioned about there's still good things that are out there, like we're in the shadow of this perfection and there is something that's coming after death. It's not the end. So there is, like, again, when, when I when we talked about symphonic metal in, the, in a prior segment, there's the, the light that comes actually through the clouds, right? There's always going to be these, there's always going to be these um, uh, rays of light that we're always going to be able to see and feel and touch, um, no matter how dark it gets. God will always be there in our darkest times. And we just have to be open to that. And the scripture does say that it rains on the just and the unjust, and the sun does shine on the just and the unjust. Just because somebody is not a believer does not mean that they're not going to catch some of the rays right. of the Lord. That's one of the big misconceptions when Dan and I were going through some uh, religious experience at, at a, you know, for a good portion of our life. The teaching was always like, well, it's always just gloom and doom for the sinner. And they're all going to wind up a bunch of crackheads. That, that's what it's going to be. And that is right. so far from the truth because God smiles and his hand is upon the just and the unjust because he loves his creation. And a mm-hmm. lot of times, those of us who are believers, we tend to forget that. And I think a lot of that comes out of arrogance in our parts. Like, hey, wow, I discovered the truth and I've been redeemed. And, you know, everybody else, it's going to just be doom and gloom for him. But right. judge of all earthworm. Judge of all earthworm. Exactly. Exactly. And when she says there's a million things to see, that took me right to 1 Corinthians 2 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, where she says it's not for you and me, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. I really hear a vacillation here between the nihilism that you brought up, Dan, and then, oh, maybe there's hope, and then it goes back. It, it just really goes back and forth. Yeah. It really does, which is beautiful. And then she writes, it's a cross that we carry. Yeah, it's interesting how there's always these references uh, references to the cross. But when I hear the term ghost house heart, what Alicia mentioned in the last edition that we just did about how we have that hole in our heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that heart, okay, it's not our physical heart that thumps and is with cholesterol and hardened arteries. But it's that <laughs> it's that area that God is reserved as a temple of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy right. Spirit comes in and dwells. And I really believe I, I hear this and I'm like, okay, we're vacillating between nihilism and hope, and we have an empty heart. Where right. I really see the looking yeah, for, for answers. It sounds like she's in a a kind of a crisis. Yeah, you know, dealing with with these things, life and death, and the half truths, the the breadcrumbs, the shadows, the uncertainty, and and yeah, and when somebody, yeah, and when somebody's dealing in this in this type of area, here there is always the I did this. I lean towards the esoteric for the answers at first, Uh, but when you start leaning towards the esoteric, guess what happens? Guess where you wind up, and you have to make a decision at a point in time of oh, it's Jesus, you know. Uh, because when I was dabbling in the esoteric, it was frightening. There there were things that were happening in my life that were very scary. And I'm like, 
yeah, I, I don't want, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not a happy place to be. <laughs> Joe, you also mentioned the song Let's Dance. What do you like about that song? It's catchy. There's there's a lot of great hooks in it. I like how it uh, has <laughs> has a lot of crunchiness. Yes, I'm going to bring that word up again. Be like a, the common theme of the past couple uh, <laughs> sessions. But again, it has great hooks. And the seriousness of this song kind of comparatively to the other songs as well, just the whole album in and itself is great. As we would say back in the 80s in the American Bandstand days, it's got a good beat and it's easy to dance to. Right. And that's kind of the juxtaposition that's going on here because it's this very upbeat dancing song. And then the words are about the world coming to an end. And that really displays how ignorant we are as people. You can see everything, the world going to hell in a handbasket. It's like, hey, dude, let's party, you know? Apocalypse and chill. Apocalypse and chill. (laughs) And I started thinking about it. And I really believe the spirit led me to the scripture. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 37 through 39, where Jesus said, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. They had the apocalypse in the days of Noah coming upon them. They're like, hey, dude, let's party, man. Let's dance. And the words to this song, we all knew this day would come. We all knew this day would come. Mountains crumbling down. It's a beautiful day. That's sarcasm in there. Skies are turning red. It's a beautiful day. A little bit more sarcasm. Let's dance. But I love the play on words that she does like ants in a hill fire. I think that's absolutely ingenious because when you just listen to it at first glance, it's like ants in a hellfire. And Joey, when I was a kid, one yeah. of the things when I'd see an ant hill, yes. looking at the perspective of an ant and me, I'd be like, hmm, I'm bigger than all of those ants down there in that city. And if I just took my foot on it and squished those ants, that would be their apocalypse, basically, if if that happened. So right. Really, when you take a look at us in perspective from God, we're kind of like the ant in a lot of ways. Yeah. So another verse in here, all of these holes the size of heads, we won't have time to dig. Dig them deeper for the dead. And really what I see here is, okay, we're sticking our head in the sand. And that's what she's referring to. And Dan, that's what we talked about a couple weeks ago with the nihilism. Yeah. You know, oh, uh, we got all this bad stuff going on. It looks like the world's coming to an end and the way I'm going to deal with it, well, it's a little too scary for me. So you know what? I'm just going to stick my head in the sand. Yeah, you, you right. get tired of being being afraid. Yeah, you do. Joey, yes. for, for you, when you take a look at the world and what's going on in the world, just in general, would you say that her view of the world of being on fire and all the turmoil and all the trouble is pretty accurate? Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, uh, we see it on the news all the time. Uh, if, it, if it bleeds, it leads. I think that was in the last song. Yeah. You know, and we have news much more readily available. And we can we can see the carnage that's happening on a daily basis, even more so than it was before. 
but yet we still choose to stick our heads in the in the sand. I mean, at least and we're talking about the novelty of, of back in the 80s. At least back then, things were simpler, and we also didn't have the technology capability of knowing what's happening around the world on, on a 24-7 basis. Now we do, and we're still not doing much about it. And that in itself is is the seriousness of, you know, kind of the message that she's trying to come across in these songs. I know people that get depressed by just looking at Facebook. Right. Because of what's coming through on Facebook. I know people that get depressed just watching the news. It depresses people. You see it, it's, it's very grim out there. And there's a whole bunch of different reactions to it. You've got the people that get depressed by it. And then you get the people that are like, okay, let's just stick our head in the sand. I can't deal with this. And then you've got the opposite end of, hey, dude, let's go out and party. We're coming to the end. Let's just blow all our rocket engines at once and fly into space and just get it over with. You know, there's a lot of different reactions. And the Bible makes it very clear that we're going to know the times and the seasons. We're not going to know the exact day. We know that it wasn't 1984 and it wasn't the year 2000. Anybody who can predict an exact date of the apocalypse, that's not biblical. But we know the times and the seasons of it based upon the things. And Jesus gave us uh, some very clear examples. We're going to hear wars and rumors of wars. We're going to see earthquakes, nation rise against nation, sons against fathers and daughters against mothers are all going to rise up. And we've got all that going on right now. And these things without the grace of God, are very hard to deal with. It's a very hard world to deal with it, and that's why you're going to get all of these different reactions. And I really believe that's why it's important for listeners that are believers to really don't stick your head in the sand. Don't act like the world. Go and do what God's called you to do. Do it. Go and be the church. Glenn, I'm going to squeeze in a Bible verse that kind of ties into all this. Matthew 16, 3. Today it will be stormy, and for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to in- interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Apocalypse and chill. Right. One of the things, I, I don't want to get into it too deep right now, but this album, Apocalypse and Chill, that came out, there were three albums before that that had to do with the moon. You had Lunar Prelude, you had Moon Bathers, and then you had Hunter's Moon. Mm. Now, another right. term for Hunter's Moon is a blood moon. Now, we know from Scripture, Joey, you were just saying a second ago, interpreting you know the skies. Yes. In Scripture, God uses the sky as kind of his LCD screen, I would say, yeah. to kind of give you an idea. And he does this for the Jewish nation of showing, hey, this is where we're at. This is where we're going. It doesn't predict the future. And it's not like astrology where it's about, oh, oh hey, I'm going to meet somebody cool today. It's about what God's plan is for the world yeah. and the redemption of the world. Well, in Scripture, you have these moon phases before you reach the apocalypse. So when you look at the title of the discography, and it could be waxing on the esoterical side, Mm -hmm. but again, the esoteric just doesn't have Jesus in it. There's a lot there. There's logos and there's truth there. It's kind of funny. It kind of backfires when people try to go headlong into the occult. Or even if they are just drawn that way, it kind of backfires on them because... Logos is the only thing that really works and makes sense. <laughs> yes, it is. So it's like, no, I'm. I don't want that. I don't want this. And then gradually, you're like, you do have to face origins. You yes. do have to face the hole in your consciousness. You do have to face that. Whoa, I'm not an Eden anymore. I've still got an Edenic eye. I can tell the difference between the colors. You know, I I, I can interpret my environment, but at the same time. 
I'm, I'm an earthworm. I can't live that, but I can still see that. And I still, yeah, we were talking about concerts and about metal and about, it's funny, like we'll walk past like a bunch of moths, right? And they're all like, oh yeah, they got to get to the light, you know, and they're killing themselves. And we're like stupid moths, right? <laughs> yeah. You just yeah. walk past them. But right. really we're kind of like that. You think about what goes on in a metal show. You got lights and noise, and we're just like, yeah. I gotta be there. And we're like these moths. And it's almost in the previous recording that we did, we were talking about uh, heaven. And you think about what's going on, and a lot of it is in us. You know, like a metal show would seem weird, kind of, but it's really not. No, it's, it's not. It's kind of more like heavenly. It's like you look at a person on a trapeze doing a death defying thing. What it's got sequins on, there's bright lights. They're they're almost pantomiming the angelic in a sense, right? Yeah, and, and our, we're drawn to it. Why? Mm-hmm. Because that person looks like they're flying. Because they look shiny. It's showing a little bit of our origins, right? With yeah. what we're actually craving. I think that's a weird way of talking about the fact that she's drawn into these things by nature. We are fallen, right? And, and we we get a little part of the story in the in the murkiness and that's what she's doing and it's funny because the further you go into the occult you either have to make that decision and be like no i'm totally depraved doesn't matter and maybe that's where she's having this apocalypse and chill i'm tired of worrying i'm tired of not having my fears quelled so what do you do you gothically embrace death so the boogeyman won't get you or you act like the boogeyman's your best friend when he's really not yeah and you go into some sort of delusion like that and that's so prevalent within symphonic and gothic sort of metal but it's she's right there. We we, we definitely need to, to pray for her. Yes. Because a lot of times they'll have a cursory hatred towards Christianity or what they think is what they think it is. Christianity, yeah. you know, this hard line, right. mean spirited, it caused all the world war, you know, whatever their their party line is. But yet there's this hole there, and that's when like Romans chapter eight are just there's nothing like it. There's yeah. nothing like it on the planet, you know. And they read that, and they're like, "This is sublime. It's truly sublime." That's definitely my prayer for hearing her lyrics. It's personal. It's yeah. intimate. That's and not just like I broke up with my boyfriend. Yada yada. Yada yada. You know? Yeah. And Dan, right. the first the first time we saw Delane live when we went to go see Nightwish up in Charlotte, we met her, right? We, yeah, I we know did. you we did. did. Yeah, but several I, times. I, yeah, okay. you, I you did once. Yeah. Okay. And, and the first time you saw her on stage, you're like, what's going on up there? Yeah. Oh, that was her. That was her. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You sensed it. And that's kind of, yeah, how we got to this edition. Okay. Yeah. You were like, what's going on? You sensed something going on up because there. Because you were a longtime fan. I've heard him a little mm-hmm. bit in that yeah. first concert that I went to you with the Nightwish and with her. Then I was like, something's going on in her. Did you guys know that the Wessels has an art history degree? Yes. You know, and I think some of this artistic usage of a lot of the words and some of the things is very poetic, and I think it comes from her um, artistic side of, a, of her brain. And just, uh, and I think that's another thing that's really neat about just symphonic metal in general. I mean, some of the words, and not just this Delane band, but you, you see in a lot of the other bands, is it, there's a poetry to the words that, like, you don't hear in just regular pop music or some of the stuff that's coming over the air, airwaves nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, like why do we fall like leaves to the ground? I mean, that is so deep. That is something that you could teach an English class and let's dissect this and, and go down the rabbit trail on this. You know, it's it's right. deep. It's deep yeah. stuff. And everything that I see written in here has meaning to it. I mean, it's very thoughtful, it's very pensive. 
this is thinking person's music to listen right. to, especially when you're trying to consider all of the elements of the universe and the conf- the world is confusing. Yes. Even when you know the truth and you start finding more truths, the more truths you find, the more confusing it gets. It's, it's messed yeah. up because we are fallen and our capacity to compute and to understand is just so, so limited because we are the earthworm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, there is there is another thing that I would like to kind of add about this particular album. Do you guys know the the song Combustion? I think it's at the very end of the album. Yes, and Joey, they played that while we were there in Tampa. Yes. Yes. And you know what style of music it is? What is that? Okay, so I we were so close to the stage, I was actually able to actually take a picture of their song list, and they had the word combustion, but then they had parentheses gent next to it. Okay. Do you guys know what music is? No. Okay. It's some people think that um, Meshuga is a gent metal band. It, it's kind of controversy whether gent is a genre in and itself or it's a style. Okay. I kind of look at it as a style. It's it's how they strum the guitar. There's a lot of palm muting in between every strum in a gent style. And the kick drum goes along with each strum. It, it's fast, a lot of palm muting, very um, uh, very rhythmic. Um, and if you remember, it was just the lead guitarist and the drummer through most of that song. Oh, it was awesome, yeah. So that st- that part- portion of that song was gent. There wasn't any music or any uh, song or words to it, uh, but it was uh, a gent style. I'm like, wow, that's kind of amazing. And if you look at some of the videos, mm-hmm. um, the lead guitarist is amazing, and I think he's a very underrated guitarist. He's using now a nine string or does it? You know, an, an eight string? It might be a nine. I think it's an either an eight or nine string guitar. And the reason why they do that is to actually get even lower on the note and on the scales. And so, you know, I talking about the crunchiness of, of this, of you know, of, um, of the songs on this particular album and, and how they're actually, you know, making it even more metally sound on the on the low end. You can just look at the guitar that the, the guy's using to actually reach those low notes. It's amazing. So I again, I appreciate the the composition, and I think they opened up the possibility for him to really shine on a lot of his songs. Um, there's more lead guitaring as well on this album, which again, I, I just, I, I think they're just, they keep pushing the boundaries and uh, I, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's a very mature album. It's for the mature palette and the mature mindset of when you listen to it, very different. And I've seen people say, Oh, well, this isn't Delane. They've changed. Well, yeah, that's what bands do. You know, if you're going to do the same thing over and over again, you're not growing musically, you're not growing as a person. Yeah, it's going to change. But in the whole album, I hear all the basic elements that you hear in the first albums of Lucidity, April Rain, those songs, that's all there. The bass is still there. Joey, thank you for being on with us uh, to discuss this. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me on. It was great. Oh, definitely, definitely. And for any of our listeners, if you have any questions or if you'd like to weigh in on the new Delane album, Apocalypse and Chill, you can reach us at lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our website at lithoscry.com. And peace out and rock on. Lithoscry.com.